0: Our scripture reading this morning, our sermon text, comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It's in your bulletin. You can find it in your own Bible. Uh, If you would read along with me as I read, this is God's word to us because he loves us. John writes, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I'm going to skip to verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, He's a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let me pray. Oh, Father, would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and through this word, Convince us that you love us. Convince us that your heart toward us is good and gracious and kind and compassionate and loving because you sent Jesus. Father, use your word this morning. Use the preaching of your word to convince us that this is true. To convince us that this, it, at core, is all that matters, and everything else flows from it. Help me, Father, to not get in the way, but to get under the word with my friends this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. so we've lived on signal mountain for three years this month and we love it and we hope we never live anywhere else Um, but i think i've told you before that one of the things i learned quickly living on Signal mountain is this whole fog thing that just shrouds our beloved mountain so quickly and it gets so thick and heavy and you can't see where you're going and i think i may have told you about the time i was on a sunday morning trying to get here trying to get out of my neighborhood, and I seriously almost wound up in a neighbor's front yard because I couldn't see where I was. And what I figured out was that if I just keep my eyes on those little road reflectors that they put in the middle of our street, that I could get where I needed to go, that I'd stay on the straight and narrow, you know? Um... At the end of 2020, as 2020 was coming to a close, I, I was feeling the fog, and I'm sure you have too, this cloud of confusion and what in the world is going on was settling over me, and I think from my conversations with other pastors, is settling over many of us in the church, um, and so I was like, Lord, what what are some road reflectors, <laughs> we need some road reflectors to help us get through this fog. Would you would you help me understand, what, what do I need to be preaching on in the coming new year, so that we can keep on the straight and narrow and not wind up in somebody's yard or in a ditch somewhere. So, I'm going to say more about that as the weeks roll on, but Just know this, that this coming series of sermons that I will be preaching and Eric and Robert are going to help me a little bit, um, they're meant to be road reflectors for us to help us refocus in the fog. And this morning, John is going to give us seven words to help us focus in the fog. Seven words. We love because he first loved us. And if you care, it's kind of cool that in Greek, it's also seven Greek words. Who knew? We love because he first loved us. That's what you need to know in the fog this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know that your life is summed up in those seven words. We love because he first loved us. I really wanted us to focus for these first couple of months in 2021. on What is it that we're supposed to do? Let's get back to the basics. What are we as God's people? And specifically, we as Mountain Fellowship, God's people on Signal Mountain, what are we supposed to be doing? What, who are we supposed to be being? <laughs> if I could say it that way. And the first thing John says is, we love. We love. That's what we do. Now, that's a very simple little phrase, we love. But let's put on our grammar school hats again for a moment and, and go back to some old uh, grammatical tricks what is the tense of the verb love in that phrase we love well you don't know just from looking at it in english but i can tell you it's the present active tense and what that means is that this is not he's not talking about a one-time act of love we love whoop check that off it's done no it's an ongoing continuous action of love it it could be translated we keep on loving we keep on loving. We love and love and love and love and love and love. That's what John is saying. And that's what we're to be doing. Keep on loving. So the second grammar question is, what's the direct object of love in this phrase? There is not. There's, there's not one. Whom do we love? John left this out. He just says, we love. He doesn't tell us who we love, what we love. But then he gives us a clue in verse 21. If you look down at that, he says, And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. Ah, we love God and we love people. This commandment we have from him who's him? Is he talking about God and the Ten Commandments that we read earlier, where God in Ten Commandments basically tells us, love me, your God, and love people? Or is he talking about Jesus when Jesus came along and reiterated that and said that the two great commandments were to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? Who gave us the commandment? God did in the Old Testament and the New. Who do we love, John? We keep on loving God, and we keep on loving people. So Mountain Fellowship, when the fog is set in and it's crazy and confusing out there as it is, we keep on loving God and people. We get up every morning and we ask, How am I going to love God in the places He's put me today? How am I going to love God in my house, in my car? Wait a minute, the car should be exempt, shouldn't it? How am I going to love people in my car? How am I going to love people at school? How am I going to love people at work? How am I going to love people with my body, with my time? as Jesus said, with all of my heart and mind and strength. That should be the question we wake up with every morning. We should also be waking up with this question, how am I going to love people today? How am I going to love the people God has given me and the places he's put me? If you've been waking up, And seeing the news and reading Twitter and listening to the podcasts and getting all confused and angry and upset and wondering, what am I supposed to do in the midst of all this? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. That's what you do. Parents, love your children. Children, love your mom and dad. Children, love your brother and sister. Yeah, I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. Love the people you work for. Love the people you work with. Love the people who work for you. Love your teachers. Love your students. Love the checkout lady at Walmart. Love your weird, annoying neighbor that you just can't stand. And love the people who can't stand you. That's it. This is our life. This is what you got up and came to hear this morning. Love God. Love people. That's 2021. But I want to say this. Don't start there. Love God and love people, but don't start there. Don't start there. What do you mean don't start with loving God and loving people? <laughs> because that's what John says. We love because he first loved us. Loving God and people is the result of something that God has done. Loving God and loving people is the fruit that comes from a root we love because he first loved us let me let me put it this way love for God and love for people are just symptoms love for God and love for people are symptoms that show up in the life of someone who's been infected with the love of God Love for God and love for people are the symptoms that show up in the life of someone who's been infected with the happy and holy virus of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. So don't start with the symptoms, get infected. We love because he first loved us. So Jimmy, how do you get infected with the love of God? Well, John says in verse 16, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the first thing he says is infection happens when you know and believe the love God has for you. Do you know the love God has for you? Do you believe it? That, that's the problem. How do I know that God currently, right now, loves me? Because it doesn't seem like it. I'm not feeling it. John says that God's right now love for you, the love he has for you, is seen and shown most clearly in one act of love he already did for you. Verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest. That means it was made clear. If you want to know whether God loves you, this is how it was made most clear. In this, the love of God was made clear among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here's something I noticed I'd never seen before in these verses. In order to understand the love God has for you, you have to admit three things about yourself according to the verses I just read you. Number one, you have to admit that you're dead unless he gives you life. God sent his only son into the world. This is love. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, which assumes that we're dead without him. He loved you so much that he came to give you life. Ephesians 2 says, With the great love with which God has loved us, he made us alive together in Christ. But in order to enjoy the love God has for you, you have to admit that you're dead unless he does that, unless he gives you life. Secondly, you have to admit that you can't do anything to earn God's love. In this is love, John said, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. We get that order flipped all the time. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. I've got to love God. I've got to do something to make him love me. No. If you really want to know the love of God as he's made it clear in Christ Jesus, you have to come to the place where you admit you can't do anything to earn God's love. I don't care how big and beautiful the church is that preaches to you that you have to do something to earn the grace and love of Jesus, that's a lie. You don't. And what's going to keep you from getting to know the love of God is to keep believing that there's something you can do to earn it. Third, you have to admit, if you really want to know God's love, you have to admit that you need a sacrifice to turn away the wrath of God that you deserve. John says, In this love, in this is love, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. That's a big fancy word, propitiation. All it means is, and it was used in pagan religions and in the Hebrew religion, a propitiation is a sacrifice that appeases the wrath of the gods. And so, If you are going to know the love of God, the very essence of the love of God is that he sent Jesus for people who deserve the wrath of God, and he sent Jesus to appease it, to take it away, to remove the wrath of God that is on you. So that means you have to admit that you have the wrath of God on you apart from him. So, to know the true love of God, you have to know it in Jesus. And you have to know that you're dead unless Jesus gives you life. You can't do anything to earn God's love. Jesus did it all. And you need Jesus as the sacrifice to turn away the wrath of God that you deserve. Because God's love in Jesus is only available for needy sinners. Paul said, This is a trustworthy saying with worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I'm the chief. You have to have Paul's attitude. I'm the chief of sinners, and that's why Jesus came. Then you can know his love. You know, these vaccinations give you just enough of the virus To keep you from getting infected with the whole thing, right? We do that with the gospel. We do that with the love of God. We think, God loves me. But unless we're willing to admit that we don't deserve it, that we don't earn it, and that we can't live without Jesus, we're not getting the full virus. Of God's love. We're getting just enough. of God loves me. Aren't I great? God loves me. Of course he should. We're getting just enough of God's love me. God loves me. To keep us from getting the entire infection. Of his real passionate. Sinner loving love. So we have to know. And believe. The love that God has for us in Christ. And then John goes on to say, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. What does it mean to abide? It means, it literally means to remain in something. It's like dwelling in a house, it means to make yourself at home in something. Jesus used the vine and the branches, abide in. As a branch abides in a vine, so it bears fruit. So abide in me, he says. He's saying that we must not only know and believe the love God has for us in Christ, we must abide in it, remain in it, rest in it,
1: rely on
0: it, respond to it. We love because he first loved us. And if remaining in the, love of God, in, in the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus is, as, Paul, as John says, the combustion that fuels loving God and loving others, then what Martin Luther once said is absolutely true. He said the sin underneath all of our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and must take matters into our own hands. In other words, the sin underneath not loving God, the sin underneath not loving people is the sin of not trusting the love that God has shown me in Christ. John Owen said it this way, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him is not to believe that He loves you. What I need most in 2021 is to believe that he loved me even though I don't deserve it, even though I can't earn it. Amazing love. How can it be? Thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Or as the other hymn says, amazing love. I lost it. I don't remember it. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. If I had the entire nature uh, nature and universe to give God, that's too small a present. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's what John is saying. How can we do this together this year, friends? How how can we remain in and rest in and rely upon the love of God for us in Christ Jesus? I'm thankful that Robert's told you already because he told you how Jesus did. it. The last two Sundays, Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So, Jesus, too, lived a life of, I love because my Father loves me. I love you because my Father has loved me, he said. So abide in my love. Robert taught us, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the last two sermons if you haven't heard them. Jesus, the perfect human, loved God and loved others because he, His father first loved him. Now, how did he remain in that love? How did he abide in that love? Robert told us he depended on his father's word. There is something significant that the father said to Jesus before the two most significant periods of his life. When Jesus was baptized and he was about to begin his public ministry of preaching and teaching and healing, and casting out demons and bringing the kingdom, his father said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, just before Jesus went to the cross, again, the father's voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm I'm well pleased. Do you know that Jesus clung to those words? He had to have clung to those words every moment of his life. Jesus lived by the word of his father, and the word of his father said, I love you. And Jesus depended on his father's love and prayer. When the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus said, well, use this pattern. Our father in heaven. The very first thing he said was our father. So prayer to Jesus was not just bringing him a list of petitions, which he does, but prayer first is communing with his Father. Robert taught us that so well. So Jesus has modeled for us and God has given us there are means by which we commune with our Father and remain in his love. And when we do that, then we become people who love. On our bulletin every week are these five things the word, worship, prayer, fellowship, and service. And over the next weeks, we're going to preach about those. Um, because We've already just talked about two of those, the word and prayer that Jesus used, but these are things that God has given us, ways that God has given us not to earn his love, but to hear Him say he loves us. One of the most life-changing things that I ever learned that ever clicked for me, when I was a youth pastor in Knoxville working at a church and um, until that point I <laughs> I struggled so much with the daily disciplines of God's word of prayer of um, worship it's so hard as a church staff person to, to worship sometimes because you're always thinking about the logistics and not the Lord um, and so our uh, staff decided to go on a retreat where we hired this guy to come in and teach us how to do more disciplines. (laughs) All kinds of ways to be in God's word. All kinds of ways to pray, to fast, to all these things. And I was dreading it. Oh, great. I already feel guilty about the things I know how to do that I don't do. And now you're going to teach me more so that I know that there are other things that I don't do. But he said something on that retreat that completely changed my understanding of how the word and worship and prayer and fellowship, all these things work in my life. He said, I don't do these disciplines to get God to love me. I do them to hear him say it. So friends, when we talk about the Word and worship and the Lord's Supper and baptism and uh, fellowship and prayer and service over the next few weeks, what we're going to think about together is not doing these things to get God to love us, to somehow magically make us better Christians just because we do these things. It's not how it works. We do these things, no, so that we can hear him say that he loves us in Jesus. We do these as ways to fellowship with the Father who loves us. And when we do that, we will be infected with a holy and happy virus. And uh, we'll be happy to spread it and share it with others. Father, would you uh, would you help us in the coming weeks to uh, keep our focus on your love for us in Christ Jesus, so that we might then also keep our focus on our purpose, and that is to be so filled with the love of the Father through Jesus by the Spirit that we overflow with love back to him and out to everyone in the places you've put us. Would you help us to focus and let that be, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be about in the middle of the fog. Whatever's going on out there, whatever is confusing and I don't know how to deal with, all the things that are happening in in the world. Let this be our focus. We love because you first loved us in Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.